Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 210, Your Urban Legends, number 42. That seems not right in terms of numbers. You know, it's just uh, time marches on. And uh, here we are, just uh, organisms in the universe doing our best. We really are. And this episode, I think we did our best. I think we really did our best. We brought some bold questions to the fore, had a rollicking discussion, had a much-needed drink halfway through, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we hope that this uh, brings you a laugh, conspirators. Certainly brought us a laugh. It did. And what brought a smile to our face was seeing the new patrons who joined us, Katie, Erica, Castor, Lindsay, and someone who is very creatively named Little Vomit Spiders running around. Honestly, very evocative. Extremely creepy. We really appreciate your support. Thank you so, so much. And thank you to our supporting producer-level patrons, Alicia, Allison, Deborah, Hannah, Jen, Jessica, Keegan, Nieselkins, Liz, Megan Linger, Megan Moon, Phil Fresh, Polly, Sarah, Skyla, Sammy Todd, and Alex Forbes. Welcome, Alex. Well, welcome. And of course, we are uh, fully in love with and would ask strange questions of all of our legend-level patrons, Audra, mm-hmm. Chelsea, Drew, Francis, Jack Marie, Key, Lada, Mark, Morgan, Necrofancy, Renegade and BME Up Scotty. Y'all are absolutely the best. And we so appreciate you taking the time out of your human days with your human dollars to support a podcast you love. If you have, uh, you know, fey days and fey dollars, I'm not sure how we would take those from you. I figure it's something like we leave it in a leave it in a tree and then. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. We would not eat any fruit you gave us, but we would gratefully accept your gifts. Mm. So, Amanda, speaking of uh, gifts, because every recommendation you give me is a gift, what have you been listening to, watching, reading lately? Well, I was elated to see that Keep Calm and Cook On, which is a podcast by former guest and friend of the show, Julia Tertian, is back with a whole new season. Oh, hell yeah. We love Julia. Not me. The other one. (laughs) <laughs> we do. We love Julia Tertian. And we really appreciate, I really appreciate, I don't know why I'm speaking in the royal we, that she speaks to really interesting people like in and around the food world. And they are nuanced. They talk about stuff like equity, compensation, mental health, personal and professional relationships and balancing those things, volunteering. So even if you're not particularly into the culinary world or, you know, listen to food media in general, I think this is a really great podcast about work and careers as well. And Julia is just an absolute dream. So that's Keep Calm and Cook On. Go check it out. Download it on your podcatcher. Ooh, what a nice little song. Ooh, thank you. It was more of a like, you know, when uh, actors can't sing very well, so they just have them like kind of sing talk. Oh, yes. That's how I would. That's how I would be if I were um, in my later years asked to, you know, voice over like a really fabulous aunt or something in Mm. like an animated movie. Mm, You would do a great job with that. Thank you. So as the year dwindles to a close, we will soon be recording a follow-up episode to previous urban legend episodes for January. So if you have written in on an urban legend, whether we have read your email on the show or not, and there's developments in the case, please let us know. Just write to us, go to spiritspodcast.com slash contact, and just include the word follow-up somewhere in your email. And then our, our fabulous filters will put it in the correct place so we'll see it. Absolutely. And our final reminder to you in this intro is that Multitude publishes free resources for creative people of all kinds. So whether you are a podcaster, a creator, or just interested in learning more about how our shows get made and other podcasts you like, we have dozens of free articles and videos and recordings of panels for you to check out for free because we love you. You can go to multitude.productions resources to read all of those. They're a lot of fun and I think uh, very good tools to maybe start a business or something like that. 
I always find myself thinking about new projects and kind of planning and, and, you know, starting new things to get excited about around this time of year. So I hope it's helpful to anybody who is thinking about starting something fun. Yeah, time is fake and you shouldn't really, you know, uh, start things at the end or beginning of a year because time is fake. But if that works for you, go for it. Check out those resources, multitude.production slash resources. So without further ado, we hope you enjoyed this truly Buckwild hometown mm. urban legends episode. I have a, a email. We're jumping straight in. Whoa. We do have a thing on the website that says, may we read your message on the podcast? And you can check yes or no. And this does say no. So I cannot read this verbatim. Okay. But luckily, it doesn't come from a person. Oh. So I don't think we're in any trouble. Uh-oh. Uh, someone's trying to sell us a website Ooh. <laughs> via the email. What is the website? I, I, I'll, the website is streamwizard.com. Mm. And... We can buy that. So I'm not reading this verbatim. I don't know if there's any legal consequence for our our contact form. But uh, I just think it's very funny that someone's like, I think you're the people looking to buy this domain. (laughs) I'm just like wondering like... Like, because I saw it, I was like, oh, maybe someone found like, because we did joke about like spirits after dark or like sexyspirits.com or something like that. At one point, I was like, oh, maybe someone found that one of those silly domains we were talking about months ago is available. Mm. But no, someone's just trying to sell us random, random wizard websites, apparently. Don't worry. We do own spiritsafterdark.com. Incredible. We do. We Excellent. do. I couldn't yes. remember if we what we actually bought. I, oh, oh, we, we tried to buy spiritspodcast.xxx. <laughs> yes, that, <laughs> yes, was, that was like $150 That's a year. Too much it did money. not seem worth it. Too much. Do, do the porn sites make that much that they can pay for that? That's my question. Yes, Julia. My understanding is porn makes a decent amount of a decent amount of change. Okay. I mean it's a quite a large industry. That is true. I think it does for the website operators and not so much for the performers. It's mm, my understanding. Yes. Yeah. My favorite thing is when the, those solicitation emails neg you and they'll be like, hey, I really liked your blog post. No one will see it because your SEO is wrong. Yep. Love yeah, it. Just Love like, it. what are you doing? What Why do you, you need doing? to shame me in order to make me buy your product? That's not how customer service works. I don't know. And we are not we are not here for shaming on Spirits Podcast. We're just here for creeping you out. We are here for shaming you if you make terrible decisions in the face of the supernatural. That's true. That's true. What I said was not right. Lightly shaming in a (laughs) loving way because we want what's best for you. I actually have a very sweet email from Jenny, which is about like a miscommunication that is not, in fact, shaming. Okay. 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 So this one is called Real Life Trolls on the Isle of Rum. Hmm. I'm in. So Jenny writes, I live in a small town in the West Highlands of Scotland, and though we all revel in myths and legends up here, especially over a wee dram, there's not many folk who get truly nerdy about them with. There are so many wonderful stories from the Highlands that I think you'll love, but here is the first, and it takes place on the Isle of Rum, which I thought was appropriate. I worked there last year and enjoyed learning more about this mysterious and beautiful island. Enjoy. Now, rum is spelled like the the drink? Or... It is with an accent on the U, and uh, Jenny very helpfully included pronunciation, and it is pronounced like rum. All right, tight. There you go. This is the tale of a mountain and how it came to be named. 
This story is becoming more and more widely known as tourism continues to grow in the Scottish Highlands, and folks are trying to take advantage of this new business opportunity by always looking for the right hook to encourage people to visit their little spot. I, however, heard the story from my friend and colleague while we walked together across the wind-scoured yet richly biodiverse hillside of Halaval, one of the hills on the Isle of Rum where I lived and worked for a year and where this tale takes place. Remember how in the uh, Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster episode, we talked about how the Loch Ness Monster was probably a way of promoting tourism in the Scottish Highlands. Anyway, I'm just thinking about that. That's awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Julie's just thinking about tourism for some reason. They're talking about how the story is becoming more (laughs) widely known. And I think part of that is probably like an increase in tourism. So Scottish Highlands I was was making a quarantine joke. About okay. Fair about enough. thinking about going places. I don't want to uh, go anywhere until 2022. No, I, I fully agree. That's why I've been reading lots of uh, of rom coms set in Scotland. It's very fun. Rom coms. Rom coms. Rom coms. Nice. <laughs> All right, back to Jenny. The Isle of Rum is one of the small isles, a weak collection of four islands off the west coast of Scotland. You might be interested to know that the other three islands are called Muck, Egg, and Canna. I am interested. Okay, you're right. <laughs> I am interested to know that. Egg is E-I-G-G, pronounced like egg. Um, I just really, I would love to sort of have like a tiny baby island in the middle of muck and egg called muck egg. <gasps> Cute. The name muck derives from the Scottish Gaelic for porpoise because it looks like the breaching back of the wee dolphin cousin. Aww. I don't know where the names Egg and Canna come from, but J.R.R. Tolkien has a house on the Isle of Egg and found much inspiration for the landscapes of Lord of the Rings from his time here. Mm. Between the 6th and 9th centuries, Kana was believed to be occupied by early Christian monks and used to be home to a monastery. Most creepy and cool TM, however, Kana has a cursing stone, one of only two found in Scotland. Apparently, this is usually an Irish thing. Hmm. You can turn the stone to curse your enemies. Anyway, back to the trolls. No, hold on. We need to discuss how it's like, oh yeah, you know, cursing your enemies, usually an Irish thing. I don't know about cursing stones. Okay, I don't, I don't either. Uh, that's that's your relative, Samantha. No, I mean apart from the Blarney Stone, which is not our part of Ireland, um, mm. I I don't know what this could be. So we have to look into it. Hmm. Anyway, back to the trolls. The year was 872 AD. The wind was high and the sea wild as the Viking longship cut through the water. Water which seemed to rise from beneath and fall from above in equal measure. Relentless, they sailed beneath the night-blackened skies. They sailed for the outer Hebrides to fight and conquer those islands far to the west. But as the ship sailed through the sound of rum, incredible here, Mm. The waves rising as they passed between the Isles of Rum and Egg, they heard, even above the wind and rain, echoing through the night, the cries. As they drew nearer the looming bulk of the island and the mountains rose before them, a blacker black than the surrounding darkness, the cries grew louder. Hundreds, thousands of voices, it seems. Mournful screams and desperate cackles filled their ears. Layers of sound which ebbed and flowed as the next wave rose and fell, letting the terrifying sounds crash over them again and again. Their boat tossed in the swell and the screeches seemed to come from all around. Trolls, a man cried. There are trolls in the mountains here. Now, for these Norse men, troll meant demon, fiend, and dangerous magic. If only the mighty Thor would cast a bolt of lightning down to quell those fearsome otherworldly creatures. But the ghastly and terrible sounds didn't abate as they passed along the south shore of that lonely isle. Only when their boat had left the hulking, inky form of the island far behind did the unearthly calls of the mountain trolls fade from the air, leaving these fearless warriors to instead hear them in their minds. Mm. Every creak of the boat, every clink of the metal, the dreadful shrieks would chill their bones once more. 
Trelawal, they called it, the Mountain of the Trolls. Ooh, love that. Good title. The year is 2020, and Whoa. I'm walking across the sunny hillside after work with two friends who have lived on the Isle of Rum for several years. As we reach the crest of the Bialik, which is the wee shoulder between two peaks. <laughs> it's like the fifth use of the word we, and I just so appreciate it. Thank you. The blue and slate-flecked sea stretches out before us. The mountain Halaval comes into view to the south, and beyond rises Oskaval and... Trollaval. On this beautiful balmy summer's afternoon, with the multitude TM of colors, purple <laughs> heather, orange deer grass, yellow asphodel, green sedges, and the pink stems of cloudberry, it feels like a magical place. A place of nature, of secret peace and power. We continue upwards, and as we do, I notice the wind-blasted grass is somehow greener in some places than others. It's only when I look closer, beckoned over by my friend, that I see it. The burrow. Small, dark, and deep. Uh-oh. The hole sits at the top of its wee bright green patch, and there are hundreds of them scattered all across the hillside. As if some giant was finger painting, the hillside is dotted with lighter, richer green splodges, each with a little burrow accompanying it. Mike tells me to listen. So I kneel down and press my ear into the opening. No! I can hear them. The faint high snuffles and peeps. They are hidden deep within the mountain, and it is only at night that they reveal themselves. It is now I must tell you the truth of the tale. Though my account of my walk in the Rum Hills is factually correct, Trollaval and the other isles on Rum are indeed littered with burrows within which curious creatures dwell. These beasties, however, are not the terrifying fiends the Norsemen feared. Rather, they are Manx shearwaters, a seabird whose nesting habits make them both safe from predators as well as mysterious. Huh, I was going to guess badgers. Their burrows <laughs> high on the hillside... <laughs> what, Eric? Why are you laughing? The Just badgers. Badgers. <laughs> I was going to guess badgers. I was going to guess badgers, maybe a hedgehog. I don't know if hedgehogs burrow or I don't not. know. Yeah. I never in a million years would have guessed birds. Mm -mm. Um, but these Manx shearwaters are seabirds whose nesting habits make them both safe from predators as well as mysterious. Their burrows high on the hillside are free from rats, and the parents only return to them at nighttime to minimize the chances of being picked off by sea eagles... <laughs> Guys, I didn't know about sea eagles, sea eagles or other avian foe. Isn't that just a seagull? <laughs> I sure hope not. I feel very silly. What's that guy up to, Jason Siegel? <laughs> I not seen him in a minute. Uh, we watched the movie where he shows his penis twice recently, and that's all I know about Jason Siegel. You watched the movie twice, or he shows his penis No, twice? he shows his penis twice in the film. Okay, because I was like, that's a, a missing Sarah Carter or whatever it's called. Missing Sarah Marshall. Thank you. He got me yes, there. Yes, that was close. Guys, can we return to the wholesome birds, please? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. 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 We'll stop talking about Jason Siegel's penis. <laughs> it is as these birds return in en masse that they raise their terrifying and ghostly cries so the air is filled with the sounds of thousands of moms and dads calling to their chicks. It was the Manx shearwaters that the Vikings heard that night and assumed, quite understandably, that the hills were full of trolls. And to add to this wonderful tale of misidentification, Manx shearwaters are definitely birds of the sea and sky. Their legs are positioned much further back than birds, which spend more time on land, and so they find walking quite a challenge. I like to think that their waddling gait adds to their mountain troll identity. They're also known to be the longest-lived bird in the UK, with one fine old fellow found to be over 50 years old. Wow. And finally, to add to their cute appeal, when they are waiting to return to their nests, they will form little rafts out at sea, floating together until it gets dark enough for them to feel safe to return. That's so cute. There is also a, uh, a video that Jenny linked us to that we will link for our patrons in the director's commentary. Ooh. Is it a video of the calls? The calls are there. Some like night shots of the adorable birds. 
And uh, it's worth it, guys. I need you to know that the scientific name for the Manx Shearwater is Puffinus Puffinus. <gasps> oh, my God. Very cool. Yes. Very this cool. could not be more wholesome. Thank you, Jenny. I know it's somewhat of a, of a non-creepy start to this episode, but I think we all deserve it. No, I like it. That was very sweet and uh, very, very evocative in its imagery. Thank you. Julia, I would love for you to go next. Okay. Because I have a story that I think we're all going to need. A refill after? To decompress oh, a bit good after. God. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for that possibility. All right. Well, my story comes from Lizzie and it is titled, The Time I Accidentally Spend Friday the 13th at the Most Haunted House in Our Region of Australia. Yay. Incredible. Again, I'm not here to shame our listeners, but maybe schedule out your trip so they don't fall on Friday the 13th. I don't know. Just a suggestion. I only discovered the show this year and have listened to the entire back catalog in the last three to four months. You guys are phenomenal and I absolutely love the show. Anyway, I thought I should write in and tell you about something that happened as recently as yesterday, Friday the 13th. They wrote this on Saturday the 14th, clearly. Let me preface this by saying that I am very much superstitious about this day. 100% bad things happen on Friday the 13th. I have other stories about it, but they're definitely not quote-unquote Eric safe. So my partner and I live in a small town called Menangle in the MacArthur region of New South Wales, just on the semi-rural outskirts of Sydney, Australia. We have the cutest moo cow neighbors. Anyway, we were meant to be having dinner with my parents, brother, and a couple of our friends on the night of Friday the 13th, and all week I have been trying to book this cute little country club, actually not a snobby one, that we like to frequent sometimes during the week to get out of the house now that COVID restrictions have eased up here in New South Wales. But the phone just kept ringing. Anyway, so we get to the actual day of our little dinner catch-up, and I finally get through to the country club and try to book, but they're closed for the night for a wedding reception. See? Bad luck. Immediately I panic because I can't fit eight people for dinner in my tiny house, so I look around and find a very pretty looking country club in the neighboring town of Camden. I book for dinner, and everything seemed to be running smoothly again, letting me think that maybe this day won't be so bad. So 6.30 p.m. rolls around and we arrive at the country club and we see what looked, on Google Images, like a beautiful big old country estate. It's actually a dilapidated 200-year-old mansion with some creepy-ass vibes, like legitimately looks like something out of a horror film set. Oh, no. I was upset. Because one, the pictures look so nice. And two, I'm starting to feel like I fucked up with trying to find a nice scenic location for dinner. I mean, I've also been led to believe that everything in Australia is six hours away from everything else. So they might have driven hours to get here. Yeah. It, well, they said the neighboring town. So I'm going to give the slower <laughs> estimate of about an hour. Yes, still bad. Anyway, my partner tries to cheer me up while we wait for our friends to arrive. And when they finally get there, one of them starts laughing and asks me if I know that this is the most haunted house in the MacArthur region. I'm thinking he's joking because it's Friday the 13th. Basically, I tell him to stop messing with me until I Google it. As it turns out, the house was the site where two children died 40 years apart, but the bodies of the children were kept in the basement of the old house until they were prepared no. for burial. Oh. There have been TV episodes and paranormal investigations on this house, and there have been actual ghost tours run that take you through the house. People claim to hear footsteps in the house and sensations of being touched on the ankles by children running around. Needless to say, I freaked out. 
Thankfully, the dining area is separate from the old mansion, so we had a nice ghost-free dinner with our family and friends. Though my friends won't ever let me forget the time I accidentally booked a haunted mansion for dinner on Friday the 13th, knowing how superstitious I am. Maybe I'll work up the courage and see if they're running ghost tours of the house and check it out and let you guys know how it goes. Please do that. Thank you. Of course, yes, definitely do that. Hoping you all stay as well as can be in these crazy times. I'll send some photos of the haunted Studley Park mansion, both what Google images make it look like and what it actually looks like. Thanks for reading. Best, Lizzie. Perfect. Guys, why did I not book a extremely haunted mansion for my wedding? That seems like such a uh, such a mistake in hindsight. Counterpoint, hmm? we never went inside. Mm. It could have been haunted. I did. It was a very sweet little maritime museum. And I think in the dark, it would have been quite haunted. There were some like... Hmm tools that look a little menacing i think there was like a life-size figure with a costume on that's always bad so in the daytime charming beautiful very wedding-like but it could have had a sort of day-to-night scenario that could have been yes i've i've been in a a, the main maritime museum as i've mentioned before i think Mm -hmm. that i've been to multiple weddings at maritime museums which is a weird statistic i have and that one that one had some spooky stuff going on it also had like the bones of a ship outside oh hell yeah like but they were painted white so it looked it very much looked like a ghost ship ghost ship ghost ship ghost ship maybe it was maybe it was maybe you did book a spooky haunted place for your wedding you just didn't know maybe maybe let's let's assume that maybe i was so lucky also wasn't there like a lighthouse kind of thing like that that place definitely had like a spooky thing there was like another structure there was like a structure a big barn kind of thing that that's something something spooky is going out of there yeah it was like a a shipbuilder's uh like workshop yeah i bet i julie i bet you i bet you did good and you booked a spooky spot for your wedding i might have i just might not know or maybe Hmm. what if what if what if this was the pre-haunting? What if it becomes haunted later when something bad happens? And then it sort of flicks between the beautiful, idyllic memories of a lovely summer afternoon wedding and whatever horror happens later. Or maybe in the future, the the wedding was so memorable and great that our you know memories and like we're on a loop just enjoying ourselves are like echoes are there and then future people are like oh my god some lady in a white dress and it's like it was just julia dancing but they don't know that hauntings are just memories imprinted on a place yeah and i absolutely could be haunting that in future in future generations that makes me so happy yeah good job me totally well here's my story oh boy that i've picked that i feel like is one of these classic uh prompts for us to discuss it's a short story but i think we'll we'll have a good a good chuckle and a good a good conversation (laughs) afterwards great okay i'm nervous this comes to us from emma and she writes oh the title is i gave my house a friendly and maybe a little bit sexy spirit Ooh, i did see this one i'm very excited to talk about it yes okay So Emma writes, so I think my brand new house may have a spirit. My husband and I are the first ones to live in it as it's a new build, so we're not exactly sure how it got a spirit, but I'll tell you my hypothesis. So my father-in-law heard a voice when he was alone with my two dogs telling them to hush and be quiet. Not maliciously either, just trying to get them to calm down. We've also found a sock in the kitchen sink. Not quite the right place to wash it, but very close. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Here's the part. 
the sexy part. I've also found my vibrator out of its drawer oh, a couple no. times oh? when both my husband and I have been at work. I'm not here to kick shave a spirit, so I don't have <laughs> anything else to say about this. Now here's my hypothesis. Because my spirit and I because <laughs> nope. Because my husband and I are so loving, because we take care of each other and our dogs, I believe we imbued a caring and a little bit sexy spirit into our brand new house. Our house is alive with kind, helpful, caring energy. At first the thought of a disembodied voice was a little creepy, but hey, it means well. So I think that's pretty cool. Here's my question. What would be the worst isn't the right word. The object you would most like, you would least like to see moved in your house by a ghost with the presumption that the ghost used that object as well. <laughs> Not gonna lie, Eric, vibrator's up there. <laughs> vibrator's up there, but we can't pick vibrator. I think also that's one of the, that would be a very scary sound to hear and not know where it's coming from. <laughs> the vibration, I mean, not any ghost enjoyment because disembodied, that shit could be anything. And I think I would be extremely um, upset to hear it. Um, I think something very heavy. I think just coming to my house and seeing something very heavy that moved, that couldn't have rolled out, that the dog couldn't have gotten, like whatever it is, that would be the most kind of intimidating to me. I have a question and you guys can red card it if you need to. <laughs> Excellent. Do you think ghosts can <laughs> orgasm? Absolutely, Julia. They're just energy. They're always halfway there. But it's like, I, I just like, can the ghost utilize the vibrator? I want to okay, go back go to Amanda's thing real quick. Amanda's presumption <laughs> is that ghosts are constantly edging. So horny all <laughs> no, the time. No, just that they are. Don't you think that ghosts are kind of at like a higher frequency? That they're just, that there's, they're like. Yes, but, but being 50% there at all times <laughs> is a lot more than, like, I, I'd give you, like, Ted, I'd be like, all right, I'll let that pass with no further no further statements. 50%. <laughs> okay, I'll say partway. All ghosts are teenage boys going through puberty in Amanda's mind. Yeah. I'll say partway then. Partway there. They're primed. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I, yes, I'll, I'll accept partway there. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Halfway is, is too far too for, for all for all ghosts. We've also talked about the fact that getting corporeal is like shocking for a ghost. And so I think any sensation would be pretty overwhelming for a ghost. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, because the idea that you're like experiencing like nothingness and then you're experiencing like physical like reactions and physical sensation, that would be super overwhelming. But like my question is, can a ghost get corporeal enough that they can utilize a vibrator? Mm. One has to hope. I mean, if you can pick something up, then you can presumably put something down. <laughs> but that, that requires then the ghost to like physically manifest their hand and then also right, yes. physically manifest the part that they're vibrating. Yes. I think I think that with enough will, a ghost can get it done. So yeah. I, it has to be an extremely powerful ghost, which we've like <laughs> established from like the lore yeah. of ghosts. I mean, no, it can't just be like some new new newcomer ghost. Well, it's exactly. Be, so it's like this. I'm not saying all ghosts could get orgasms, or maybe it's just a fresh ghost. <laughs> I want to be off the record. Not all ghosts get orgasm. But that means like the colonial revolutionary war ghost. The revolutionary war ghost has to figure out what a vibrator is and what it does. Or maybe it has to be a really fresh ghost. Don't know. Now, do mm. fresh ghosts have more power than old ghosts? I I said it. Oh I said it because it came into my mind. But I think you're right, Julia. That the older the ghost, the more uh, the more of a fine vintage we have going on. The more power is amassed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I would I would say for for my for my prompt for my mm-hmm. question that mm-hmm. I asked I would say like something like toothbrush. Okay, that'd be creepy. Yeah, because it's one of those things where like it always goes back to where it started. So like if that's been moved around, and also I don't want a ghost br- brushing their teeth with that. Yeah, you also said the assumption that it was used, especially some old Civil War ghost. Oof. There's definitely some gingivitis getting on my toothbrush that way. I would like to revise to maybe like a a treasured childhood object. Like if my Mm, childhood stuffed animal was suddenly like in the middle of my bed, I think I would leave the house screaming. That would be (laughs) extremely bad. Yeah, because because that's doubly scary because then it's either a ghost put it there or you might think that the object you love is just haunted. So neither option is good. Or a, a, you know, serial predator scenario, also bad. Well, yes, yeah. Let's let's assume not the worst case real situation. <laughs> Here's the thing. I have ADHD, mm-hmm. which is partially a memory disease. So if things aren't where I left them or I remember leaving them, they're just gone for me. They just don't exist anymore. So the idea of like ghosts moving things in my home is terrifying, but also like could just be my husband moved it and I don't remember him saying he was going to move it or actually moving it. So like... Mm. It's par for the course, I feel like. It has to be something that like is a constant in my life and then I notice it's been moved. That would be the scariest part. Maybe like the necklace from around your neck. <laughs> also yeah. bad. Also bad. Emma, I want you to make sure that your dogs did not um, move your stuff and maybe double check on that cabinet or box or whatever. Other than that, though, this has been a, a fascinating and productive conversation. <laughs> it sure has been. <laughs> And now I think we much we do, like I predicted, need a refill. Oh, 100%. Very much so. Let's go. Let's go. Julia, sometimes when I am um, trying to find stuff to watch and I kind of cycle through all my apps and I'm not really sure what to watch, I, honest to God, put on a Skillshare class um, because <laughs> just seeing people who are competent and soothing talking about stuff that they know how to do well is just really like scratches a part of my brain that I really need scratched sometimes. And I recently enjoyed a really fantastic kind of like mind warping class. It's called iPhone Photography, How to Shoot and Edit Conceptual Photos on Your Phone by Am- Molly Satsker. And it is like, you know, those photos you see, they're beautiful on the internet with like a person's body, but like a the head is like a bouquet of flowers or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she teaches you how to shoot those photos on your iPhone. So it is extremely neat and they're just beautiful. Like it sort of demystifies it in that it's, you know, teaching you how to do it. But I'm still just mystified that anybody makes that work. It's truly amazing. It's also wild that you can just do it on your phone. You don't need to buy like a very expensive camera to do it. That's wild. Exactly. This class and thousands like it are available to you on Skillshare. You can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash spirits. And the first thousand people to use that link will get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash spirits. And the first thousand people will get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership. It is a great gift to yourself and to other people. And it's the perfect thing to send someone for the holiday season. Thanks, Skillshare. Amanda, I, I have a confession to make, and it's that I haven't gotten my hair cut since September of last year. 
maybe. Fair, fair, understandable. It's been a while. And I always worry that like going that long without a professional haircut is going to damage my hair somewhat. But since I've started using Function of Beauty hair care products, I do not have that worry anymore. They are the world leader in customizable beauty, offering 100% custom solutions just for you. You just have to take a quick but thorough quiz and tell them about your hair goals, which I love the idea of hair goals because everyone's hair besides mine is hair goals. <laughs> and you can choose the color and the fragrance that you prefer. I know that you prefer like less of a fragrance if no fragrance at all. I like just like pummel me with rose scent. Yes. Next, uh, Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients and then they bottle your custom formula to order. And then they deliver that personalized formula right to your door in this very cute customizable bottle. It even has your name on it and you get like the pumps, the stickers, you get little gifts and they give you detailed instructions describing how to use that hair care regimen, which is like, oh, it's like going to the hair salon and them telling you, okay, so for the next couple of weeks, you got to make sure to do this, this, and this and only wash it with cold water. And I was like, thank you, Function of Beauty. That is very helpful. So what are you waiting for? Go to functionofbeauty.com spirits to take your quiz and save 20% off your first hair care order. That is functionofbeauty.com spirits to let them know you heard about it from our show and then they'll come back and be a sponsor again. And you get 20% off your hair care order when you go to functionofbeauty.com spirits. Thanks, Function of Beauty. Uh, Julia, I sent you a picture over the weekend, but I got a new tattoo this past weekend. Ah. And it is very exciting. I'm getting my other arm uh, done in like a beautiful kind of upstate New York Adirondack sleeve. Um, and it goes up onto my shoulder, which is awesome. But that meant that I needed to find the right outfit to wear to the tattoo parlor mm -hmm. so that my artist could clean everything, get the bandage on and, you know, get everything set without a bra strap or a shirt strap getting in the way. So I pulled out the only strapless bra that I have ever in my life been <laughs> able to wear. And it is from Third Love. Oh, hell yeah. This is a company that designs bras for your perfect fit. They use measurements from millions of people to design bras with all day comfort and support. I was there for seven hours in different kinds of weird positions, you know, just getting everything done and getting my lines all set. And I did not have that band dig into me. I did not have any spillage. I did not have, uh, you know, like weird positions where I had to like readjust it. They are truly bras that fit and work. And that is incredible. The thing I love the most, I think, is, well, A, it starts at just $45, which anyone who wears bras will know is a pretty good price. Mm. And then secondly, they've more than 80 sizes. They have bands from sizes 30 to 48, which is much bigger than you normally see. They have like a huge range and they have cups from double A to I, including half cups. So I really feel strongly about the fact that you guys can use their Fit Finder quiz, which is their quick, fun online quiz that asks you a few simple questions and then gives you your perfect fit in just 60 seconds to figure out the best size and style of bra for you. Yeah, as a person who didn't know that they were a half size until I took this Fit Finder quiz, it is extremely, extremely useful. Also, I didn't know that like my breast shape matters in having a good fit, but the Fit Finder quiz taught me that and it's very cool. And they stand behind their products. If you don't love it, every customer has 60 days to return it. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. And Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find the perfect fit. And they're available for help via chat or email. Honestly, being able to ask somebody a question about what size would be best for you is such a huge deal. Yes. And they give back too. They have donated over $20 million in bras to people in need, which I think is just fantastic. So if you want to take the Fit Finder quiz and find your perfect bra, they are offering Spirits audiences 10% off your first order. Just go to thirdlove.com slash spirits to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. Yep, that's thirdlove.com slash spirits for 10% off today. 
Thanks for love. Now let's get back to the show. So we are back with our with our drinks, ready to do the second half of this episode. I have uh, upgraded my my drinking game. Ooh. Not that makes it sound like it's going to be different than what I'm about to say. But I my 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 go to uh, sipping whiskey, mixing whiskey is Bullet Bullet Rye. Mm-hmm. Good quality um, shit. But I recently, it's like it's like it's good, but it's not like expensive and it's not but it's also like not not like cheap bad quality it's like the kind of stuff you would find at a nice bar but not like paying 50 dollars for a glass yes uh which did happen to me earlier this year when mm-hmm. we were when we were in la and i got i got duped i was <laughs> like i was like i'm gonna order one drink and then i had a bill of 35 dollars. whoops and it was like that's what a bottle costs and then I said YOLO and just ordered another one. I was like, why not? <laughs> At this point. Ah, uh, pre-COVID. And you know what? I might have been the last time I was at a bar. So good choices. Anyways, I upgraded my drinking thing by finally looking at the bullet and getting uh, getting the nice 10-year aged bullet. Ooh. And I was like, let's let's try it out. And it's good. It's good. Not, not much to report there. It's just uh, a bit nicer quality of, of the, the bullet whiskey that I'm used to. Nice. I do have to put in a quick plug for Seagram's whiskey. Mm. It's bad, but it's fine. It's mm. good to mix. It's fine in an old fashioned. It's good for a party. I just want people to be less judgmental of our of our plastic bottled friend Seagram's. Yeah, no, I think if it's a mix in whiskey, more power to you, you know? Yeah. Get the cheap stuff. You're mixing it anyway. Who cares? Uh, well, my dad uh, did a, a nice distance visit to my home uh, last month and brought a extremely heavy present and said, open this on December 1st. And so I had an inkling. But when we opened it, uh, it was, in fact, a advent calendar of German beer. <gasps> um, so I just want to give my dad a shout out. I think he bought many of them for many people in his life. I don't feel bad about that. It's a great present. And so each day I've opened a new German beer. All the titles um, are in German, so I can't tell you in all the cans. So I can't tell you the style, uh, the name, but I can tell you it's tasty and it's a nice present. Oh, hell yeah, Brian. So good. What a great gift. I've been digging into more Long Island brewery stuff, and I'm really liking as kind of like a casual drinking beer the uh sure thing lager from blue point brewery which is very very good it is like a little bit citrusy it's also a little tart and they add a little like sea salt to it like so it's not like it's not salty like a goza is but it does have that kind of like tangy salinity on the back end and i really like that as kind of like a light casual sipping beer that's very you nice choice thank you this email comes to us from Alyssa, and it is titled Malawian Urban Legend, Hairdressing Witches. Ooh, hairdressing witches. Ooh. Mm. I'm very excited. I need one of those right now. I have been listening to all your Urban Legend episodes since Halloween, and I've been inspired to send in one of my own. It features some terrifying African folklore. To explain my perspective on it, my mother is from Malawi and my dad is English. I've visited often, but I've never lived there. She used to tell me various Malawian ghost stories as a child, so these are from years ago and not part of my day-to-day culture, just a disclaimer in case some of the details have been distorted. But I'm telling you this as she used to tell it to me. The story that always creeped me out the most, because it was based in fact, was about the Malawian witches. They're called Mfiti. Many Malawians, especially in rural areas, are superstitious and believe in witchcraft and black magic as fact. 
Mpiti are a specific type of witch, and they're not really the type you'd want to have in your coven and hang out with. Mm. As my mom used to tell it, they specialize in black magic using human body parts. Ooh. You can pay them <laughs> to oh. do black magic on your behalf, but they also have their own agenda, and you do not want to piss them off. Doesn't everyone have their own agenda at the end of the day? I think it's very smart, though. You can't just have a magical service provider and hope it all goes the way you want it to. Yeah, you got to pay those people. Mom showed me a carving of what they look like once. Because of their evil deeds, their bodies are distorted. They are thin, have elongated heads, and a rounded pot belly. Side note, they're usually also older women. You can see where the stereotype has probably come from. As I said, black magic is spoken of in hushed voices in Malawi, but it's a fact of life. You often hear of murders in remote villages where body parts have been harvested. And the legend is, if you ever find your own body's been mutilated, it's probably an mpiti out to get you. Most commonly, this can be in the form of mysterious cuts, where they've taken your blood while you slept. Horrifying. Mm. But another favorite for them is to take locks of your hair. And that shit has happened to me more than once. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh. Also, mm. just a quick disclaimer. Just... Remember that uh, physical beauty or lack thereof does not determine someone's worth or whether or not they're good or evil. Definitely. And I think the uh, the disability and fairy tales um, episode that we did is a great kind of primer on how, you know, bodies that are not a very narrow idea of normal are often made to seem evil. So it's a very good thing, I think, to stay curious and critical when you see a physical description of like a, you know, evil person. Spend a little time with that, you know, and interrogate that and kind of ask why these features are being categorized as such. My earliest memory of it is probably aged about seven. I woke up one day and had a random short section of hair right at the front of my head gone. A, that's a bad place to take it from. Yeah. B, so terrifying. Oh, my God. It reminds me of when you accidentally would get gum in your hair when you were in kindergarten. Then they'd have to cut around it. And then you're just like, I just got a weird bald spot there now. Cool. Well, at least then you know. Mm -hmm. So I showed my mom and she said, matter of factly, the Mfiti must have taken it. Her evidence? You didn't find any hair on the pillow, did you? That's because they've taken it all. <gasps> oh, no. For visuals, I have curly mixed race hair type 3C. I very rarely cut it, and because of the way it falls, I do notice if it's uneven because that section will stick out and be asymmetrical. Several times over the years, I found sections of hair are suddenly shorter than they should be. This could be explained away by my hair being quite fragile and fine, but in all these incidents, there is no hair on the pillow. Where does it go? Several times is too many times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. The most extreme incident was about three years ago. I was straightening my hair, and as I did so, I discovered I had a new short layer going all the way around my head. Oh, no. I would have just thought that an enthusiastic hairdresser had added in some new style without me noticing, but the last time I'd been to the hairdresser was two years before that. Uh-oh. It really confused me. It was a very distinct, deliberately cut layer, and it couldn't have been there long because I would have noticed it. I have no history of sleepwalking or anything like that. Even if I'd been awake, I'm not sure how I would have reached the bit at the back of my head. My only conclusion was that the Mpiti had come back and needed a whole chunk of hair this time. Very considerately, instead of taking your random section at the front of my head, they'd given me a tidy hairstyle. But that means they needed more hair for a more powerful spell, probably. Well, uh, as far as I know, I didn't feel any ill effects from their curse, so they must have used my hair in a spell on someone else. Okay, that's I laugh fine. about it, but honestly, if I told this story to some of my older Malawian relatives, they'd be terrified and probably call for some sort of religious intervention. So if you ever wake up and seem to be missing some hair, blood, or fingernails, the Mfiti say hello. Oh, boy. Um, you know what? I feel like I would donate my hair to a good cause of cursing people who, who fucked with other people. I would be fine with that, as long as I'm not the one being cursed. 
Yeah, it feels like a sort of placating where it's like, you'll leave me alone. I'll donate materials as needed. You know, it's kind of a, a much creepier version of the kind of milk on the stoop, um, you know, like to to feed the Domovoy or the fairies. But this was uh, this is terrifying and fascinating, uh, Alyssa. And I'm glad that the latest um, incident left you with a style you liked. Yeah, at least at least it is a good style and not just like patchy and weird. Hell yeah. My next story is from Macklin. And she wrote the subject line, demons by the cat litter, Satanism in the suburbs. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I'm in. So she writes, I've been listening to spirits for several hours each day for well over a month, starting from episode one in order to get through my incredibly monotonous and mind numbing data entry job. My brain would have probably completely atrophied by this point if it weren't for y'all. So thank you for the continually intriguing and engaging content. I'm not completely caught up yet, but listening to all of the urban legends has made me itch to share a spooky story from when I was a kid. I lived in a suburb of Fort Worth, Texas until I was about 13. I essentially grew up splitting time between my house and that of another family. Sometimes my brother and I would play there, sometimes the other kids would come to our place. The parents of this family were very close friends with my parents, and two of their kids were in the same grades and classes as my brother and I, so we weren't technically family, but I called these adults my aunt and uncle and thought of the kids as my cousins. These family friends were a rather spooky bunch. Growing up with them, whether at their house in the suburbs or on their ranch, has made me convinced of some existence of paranormal spirits despite having never had any paranormal experiences myself. This family... The Munsters. (laughs) The Adams. (laughs) This email includes my favorite mystical story from this family, but there are many others, including will-o'-the-wisps in an East Texas thicket, chupacabras on the cattle ranch, ghosts in Dubai, etc. This story, however, takes place in that very house where I spent so much time as a child. I never knew this as a little kid, but when I got older, my mom told me all these stories about how Aunt C saw spirits walking around the world. Not everywhere or every day, but often enough to where she couldn't dismiss them as tricks of the eye or one-off events. To be more specific, she would see dark, indiscernible figures right before and around the time something bad would happen. She started picking up on this ability when she was in college and going to a lot of big house parties. She would sometimes see figures looming in dark corners of these houses and eventually make the connection between these figures and something bad happening. These stories terrified me and I refused to go to any big off-campus house parties when I was in college because of them, for better or for worse. Probably wise. Around 2004 or so, Aunt C was going about her day and walked into the laundry room to put some clothes in the washer. There, crouched in the corner next to the cat's litter box, was one of those shadowy figures. Except instead of having the outline of a tall and lanky man like usual, this one was more like a gargoyle. She was shocked. She had never seen one of these figures in the house before, and she had been living there for years at this point. After that, every time she went into the laundry room, the spirit was there. The cats also started refusing to enter the room, forcing the family to move the litter box elsewhere so that the cats would stop peeing on the stairs. Cats are wild. The laundry room became filled with a dark energy that the older children and their dad could feel too, even though they couldn't see the gargoyle in the corner. A while after this, one of the younger kids started acting very strange. 
I was a teenager when my mom told me this story, and my mom withheld a lot of details because one, this kid was my friend, and two, she knew it would make me freak the fuck out. So while I still don't know everything that went down, I knew that the kid was exhibiting behaviors that made the parents worried that they were possessed by something. I was told that the kid had knowledge about their parents' pasts and knowledge in general that would have been impossible for them to know, but I'm fairly confident that there was way scarier stuff happening that my mom never told me about, and which I'm perfectly happy not to know. Eventually, the family learned to live with these odd occurrences and accepted the laundry room's bad energy as the new normal. Then, the washer broke or flooded or somehow destroyed the flooring, so the family had to take out the warped wood and put some new tiles down. But when the original flooring was torn out to reveal what the, was concrete under there? <laughs> the concrete underneath, there were a lot of strange symbols painted in red under the corner where Ansi no. had been seeing the gargoyle. That's so much worse than finding stuff. I mean, that spooky is stuff. Laundry, spooky, spooky laundry. laundry. <laughs> After searching online for the origin of these markings, they turned out to be ritual ruins associated with a satanic cult. I'm going to pause the story real quick here. Satanic cults really aren't a thing. It is a thing that we were scared of in the 80s and 90s because we like created this legend of it, but it's it's not really a thing anyway. Did not exist on the whole. Did not exist as a whole. And the, the current satanic church is not like a satanic cult. They're not like doing animal sacrifices and stuff like that. Anyway, they must have been put there by the previous owner of the house and covered by new flooring when the house was sold to its new and unexpecting owners. That is a, <laughs> a good real estate company that was like, we should probably cover up the satanic ruins, huh? Like it's going to cost us a little money to put in those new hardwood floors, but it's probably worth it. But the problem is then you've cursed the wood above the runes yeah. it's a whole you really got to do it right if you're gonna flip a house and remove the, the satanic, satanic ruins yeah runes that are on, on the floorboards since kind of sandblast those away certainly it would be too long and expensive to paint over them so the family obviously sanded those markings away immediately before they put down their new flooring because they're smart people clearly Ansi has not mm -hmm. seen the gargoyle figure since. The bad energy of the room disappeared. The cats willingly roam once again, and the youngest child's terrifying behavior ceased. Why the strange occurrences started up so suddenly after years of peaceful living in the house remains a mystery. But regardless, there was definitely something going on in the laundry room. I'm just glad I never saw anything. I'm perfectly happy with only five senses. Thank you for your incredible podcast, Macklin. Ah, cute. Very, very good. Very scary. But very good. Have you seen that wild TikTok about this kid describing the moments before you die? No. The what? Oh my gosh. There's a, there's a TikTok where it's like this like big YouTube voice TikTok kid. Like he's like, here's what happens in the moments before you die. First, know. you lose all of your desires. <laughs> but the second thing he says, which is my favorite thing, I this is on my, I retweeted this recently, so you could, you could look at it. Although my tweets auto-delete now after 30 days. But he says, then you'll lose all of your senses starting with thirst and taste and then Those? your sight hearing and touch it's like it's like thirst and taste thir thirst and hunger thirst and hunger thirst and hunger aren't senses i was gonna say <laughs> taste is thirst no yeah i was like what is happening it's it's so funny i can't tell if it's a parody or it this is a thing that 
the the teens believe now about the moments before you died. It's hilarious to me. I think Gen Z are smarter than us and always uh, doing some out of a parody. Yeah, they're, they're something else. Well, I've got a, uh, a shimmering grandma ghost. Ooh. Almost. Goodbye story. So oh. It's I have I've made sure it's Eric safe. So don't you worry. <laughs> Good. Uh, this comes to us from Anna. Anna and Emma. I've picked very similar names this episode. <laughs> and she writes, Hi, Julia, Amanda, and Eric. My husband, also an Eric, and I have been listening to Spirits since 2018, and we regularly quote the show to each other and reference you all as if you're our friends rather than brilliant podcasters. Aww. I'd love to know what quotes yeah. f- like fans like share around with like that like I don't know I don't know what the inside jokes of the fan community of spirits is I would love to know but I'd be fascinated to know you could you could tweet at us any any inside joke you and your friends group have via our podcast because I would I'd love to know what what the community is doing outside of that yeah I hardly remember what I uh, said a few minutes ago, much less over the last five years. It's true. Like, I always thought it was so weird when podcasters would be like, I don't remember anything I said in this episode. And then, like, I'll edit one of these episodes and be like, I don't remember any of this. It's like going to a party and trying to recall the small talk that you did two weeks ago. Yeah. 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 It really is. I don't know what I said. It's very strange. Anyways, I'll I'll continue this story from Anna. Anna. Anna, Anna. I never know what I never know how to pronounce it if it's Anna or Anna. It's all it's too tricky. Anyways, she writes, I'm not sure if this qualifies as a hometown urban legend TM TM TM, but it was definitely <laughs> spooky and I thought at the very least you'd appreciate the story. To preface, it's important to note that my grandmother is this wonderful dichotomy of the stereotypical delightful sweet grandmother figure and the equally equally stereotypical stubborn sailor mouth no nonsense New Yorker. Hell yeah. She is a goddamn delight and one of my favorite people in the world, making this story all the more alarming. That's all I want to grow up to be, is the yeah. stereotypical yeah. I mean, you're definitely mode. on that path. Listen, thank you. <laughs> I was away at training a few months ago, sleeping on a horrendous, uncomfortable cot in an open-air bay that was somehow simultaneously oppressively humid and freezingly cold. Hard combo. I have vivid and highly realistic dreams, and this night was no different. In my dream, I was back in my college dorm room and hanging out with my old roommate. She was leaning against the desk and I was sitting on my bed. We were bullshitting about something unmemorable and irrelevant to the story when all of a sudden, my roommate jerked her chin towards the corner of our room and asked, Anna, is that your grandma? Startled by the abrupt change in conversation, it took a second for me to redirect my attention. When I looked to the corner, I saw a shimmering, glowing shape hovering above the ground. I can only describe it as an orb of starlight, beautifully refracting subtle rainbows. It wasn't shaped like a human, but I was struck with the overwhelming sense of my grandma's presence. I just, I need to pause here. (laughs) Because your friend saw a ghostly orb and then asked, Is that your grandma? Not check out this ghost orb. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, when you know, you know. Just uh, wild, wild. All right. When I acknowledged Starlight Grandma, the orb, <laughs> the orb drifted smoothly over to me and I felt a slight depression in the mattress next to me. There's a, no- I, there's a note that I missed when I was pre-reading this directed towards me, which is spooky. 
Eric, before you get all weird about me acknowledging the spirit, I have to stress that at no point did I express any feeling but the kind of calm and safety that real grandma gives me, no fear or even apprehension. Okay, okay, fair. Starlight Grandma never said a word, and even though she was still orb-shaped and not at all corporeal, I felt familiar arms encircle me in a warm hug. With that, the glowing figure faded into nothing, taking the sense of grandma's presence with her and leaving me an overwhelming sense of both peace and farewell. After that, the dream picked right back up with my college roommate. Not relevant anymore. Starlight Grandma is the name of my Icona Pop cover band. Excellent. That's very very good. good. I woke up not remembering much about the roommate part of the dream, but vividly recalling the details of Starlight Grandma. I immediately texted my mom to see if real grandma was okay. She called me a few seconds later asking what prompted my concern and I relayed the details of my dream to her. Important note, my mom is wildly into dreams and it wasn't uncommon growing up for my brothers or I to receive a worried call from her prior to a flight or sporting event warning us about a foreboding dream she had the night before. I'd be okay with a a worried dream before a sporting event, Mm -hmm. not so much about a foreboding dream about a flight. I never want to know about dreams where someone has foreseen a bad plane situation yeah no don't tell me when i finished detailing how starlight grandmother i keep saying grandmother but it says grandma (laughs) starlight grandma had faded away and how it had seemed like she was saying goodbye my mom told me that she had just gone off the phone with grandpother with grandpa that's not even grandpather word (laughs) grandfather got off the phone with my grandpa when i texted apparently my grandmother had fallen out of bed and hit her head on the nightstand Grandpa took her to the hospital, and apart from a black eye, she ended up being totally fine. Oh, okay, oh, good. I can't help but wonder that if that brief moment she was knocked unconscious, she took the opportunity to visit her granddaughter and reassure her that everything was going to be all right. Love you all and the podcast. You are beautiful human beings working to bring a little light and magic into a very dark and unmagic world. Stay creepy and cool, Anna. Now... The, the this is a common story the like grandparent coming to visit me after they've passed mm-hmm. away and us not knowing about it kind of thing yeah do you think it shows favoritism among the grandchildren <laughs> <laughs> i mean maybe uh, maybe like all of a sudden you know cousin mary is like yeah grandma came and visited me in a dream before she died and you're like well fuck mary okay i guess you're getting the inheritance i mean on the other hand it's possible too that the grandparent visits the the kids that they think most need um reassurance that's yeah. much nicer i think maybe the grandmother visits them all at the same time and yes. only some people remember the dream that's and then like depending- people don't remember their dreams and then depending on the uh, quality and number of interesting items for the ghosts to avail themselves of when you're not home, that's where they decide to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Valid. Makes most sense. Well, guys, now that Urban Legends in the books, another yeah. uh, another bold question that we've dared to answer. We, we answered yes. a bunch of pretty bold questions. <laughs> Possibly the most bold question of them all this time. Quite true. Ghosts at least 50% horny all the time. <laughs> And listen, if you guys want to weigh in, you know, tag us on Instagram, hashtag us on TikTok. We'll be looking. Let us know. Are we going to be looking on TikTok? I will be looking on TikTok. I love TikTok. Yes. Amanda can look on TikTok. Embed your TikToks in a tweet. Send them our way. (laughs) Yeah. Or on Instagram. That's much better. Yeah. We're old. So Instagram is our platform. I don't know. I'm scared of TikTok and I have not downloaded it still. (laughs) Oh, it's fantastic, dude. You got to get on it. Maybe that would be creepiest if I 
opened if my phone opened itself while I was not holding it and just scrolled through TikTok and uh, was like liking various things. I mm. don't blame them because it's very entertaining. And I think the ghost should also be able to have entertainment. But I'd be like, you're throwing off my algorithm, man. Didn't we have a TikTok ghost? I swear we, we had a TikTok yeah. ghost. Yeah, yeah I was we did. swiping and doing stuff. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, everybody. And remember, stay creepy, stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors at Skillshare.com slash spirits. The first thousand people to use this link will get a free trial of Skillshare premium membership at functionofbeauty.com slash spirits. You can save 20% off your first hair care order and at thirdlove.com slash spirits, you'll get a 10% discount on your perfect fitting bra. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.